This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 126 of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gary Scott, and it's again another full strength lineup this week as I am joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Far happier than I have been for many, many of these episodes this season. I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Graham, have you dried out both from a rainwater and metaphorical beer perspective? Beer, yes, but not rainwater because it was pissing at them when I was walking home. Oh, tonight as well? Yes. Oh no, two two games in the trot. Two games in the trot, yep. Although I was a little bit more of a bit more of a spring in my step on my way home after today's game. Uh, it, was, it, it was that fine rain as well. Yeah, so that you know the kind you just right through. That's <laughs> exactly it. <laughs> the worst kind. Absolutely. In a week that saw the Jambos turning full pelt onto wee Stevie Naismith, I bet he's now wishing that Frankie McAvoy was still the manager right about now. Um, it's Gogsy's time to shine. It is, absolutely. And they saw some right scenes in the away end at Love Street, it's fair to say, as well yesterday. It's another busy-ish episode of the ABZ FP as we will take a whistle-stop look back at our trip to Frankfurt in midweek. We'll review the 4-0 win over Dross County on Sunday afternoon. We'll check in with the latest news from maybe 24 in the week that's passed. We'll bring you a look at our loanies and loan watch. And then after the break, it's another double header for us to preview as the Dons travel to Dingwall midweek to take on Ross County in the League Cup quarterfinals. And then we travel to Mordor next Saturday for the first time this season. But first, Graham, you and I, we made the trip to Frankfurt. Gav, you had to endure watching at home on TV. In the end, uh, a heartbreaking defeat in Germany is the Dons putting a performance of, let's call it grit and determination, coupled with some really good organisation to hold out the 2022 Europa League winners, kind of keeping them at bay in the main. Two defensive lapses eventually, meaning that we failed to defeat Dante Povara with an equaliser that will remain long in the memory for anyone in the Valstadion on Thursday evening, including the scar on Graham's shin after the resulting bounce there. That kind of feels a little bit like there's little point in probably raking over the game itself too much right now. Um, by the time this episode goes out, it'll be probably nearly a week past since the game. Um, all in all, though, I mean, it's fair to say the team did us proud with the performance in the main. Very much so. I think there was a lot of, like, I feel like it's a fan base, probably every fan base, there's a lot of, you know, sort of negativity and stuff like that. And, that, and that's fine, especially in the, the state we're in. But I feel like we're not too bad at having a wee laugh at ourselves as well. So some of the prediction, the comments, I think people know that going into that game, it was going to be difficult anyway. Uh, you know, even if we'd been in good form, they've obviously, when you look at some of the money they have spent 
Uh, it's maybe not that large in the grand scheme of things, but compared to ours, it's astronomical. Um, but yeah, I think we gave a decent account of ourselves. It's been really picky. The goal, to, you know, conceding from a set piece, or sort of a ball in the box rather, is pretty frustrating because that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with week in, week out. Um, but overall, that was a team and a performance that I can get behind. And that seemed to be the consensus or from everyone. People are disappointed not to get anything out of the game as you would be with any game. But in general, you know, people we were chatting to and you hear sort of people chatting amongst themselves, most people hoping that is a sign of things to come and the, the proof that there's a decent team in there trying to get out. Yeah, from my take, um, it was just simply that when the team lineup, when I saw that and I saw the formation we'd like to be going with, the 5-4-1, um, I felt that we'd be going into this with a very much backs against the wall, trying to contain Frankfurt um, kind of approach and start off okay, but then to concede uh, within 10 minutes, courtesy of a defensive lapse. Um, at that point, I, I really did fear the worst just thinking about, you know, the quality that Frankfurt have in their team and the, the kind of form we've been in as of late. So to come back from that and within 10, 12 minutes, get that equalising goal, I thought it showed a lot of character in the Aberdeen team. I thought the players stuck to their task very admirably um, with that defensive shape. Um, we were happy enough to let them have the ball pass it around in front of us. But when the ball went into certain territories, you could see there was a very clear game plan to to make the press and then for that to uh, initiate a counter-attack. And that's exactly what happens with the goal. Plenty of supporting bodies in and around Boyan Miofsky, giving him those options. And Dante Polvara, every time that he's had an opportunity to go, it feels like he just can't get the ball out from under his feet or just doesn't sit properly. This was the opposite. And he just takes him with the left foot and smashes it past Kevin Trapp. Unbelievable scenes. Um, if my fear of missing out wasn't big enough, when that goal went in and I saw the camera pan over to the Dons fans, I was uh, very much ruining my choice not to be able to make the trip to Frankfurt. But hey-ho. Um, and then, yeah, I thought we played well. Uh, it's, it is incredibly frustrating that the decisive goal is a corner kick and that it's one of the tallest players in the Frankfurt team with a free header uh, six, seven yards out from goal. It's it's in a way almost more unpredictable than something like the Celtic game where Diaz and Maeda gets a free header. That, that's such a an obvious target for Frankfurt. It's just stood by himself. Um, and even then, I thought maybe heads would go down, heads would drop, but we still kept going. And, you know, at the end of the game when Duke beats his man and gets the ball across goal, maybe calmer heads prevail and one of the, one of the Dons players holds his run. But I can understand why. Russia blood to the head. They both make the same run and goes behind both of them. Oh, and you know what? Frankfurt are what the highest ranked team in the tournament. They're the second favourites with the bookies as things stand for the Conference League. They're a good team. And I thought we showed, I think we showed a lot of character, a lot of endeavour, and in places, a lot of quality. So I was very proud of the team. Yeah, definitely. And um, you'd like to, um, you'd like to think that that was a performance that, will give a squad and we're, we're going to touch now on, on, on the game on Sunday in a bit more detail so you'd like to think that's the kind of performance that will give a squad which has been much maligned and, and a coaching team and, and deservedly so in fairness like our, our start to the season had been or has been poor um you'd like to think that that sort of performance will give the squad the management team you know some real belief and confidence with which to now go and attack the rest of the campaign with that said we're not going to face a team of Frankfurt's 
quality, despite the fact that I don't think Frankfurt really showed an awful lot um, on, on Thursday night, but I think that was in part down to how we played as well. I think we targeted their kind of weaknesses and we made sure that where they're not strong at this moment in time with no you know main striker in the, on the books, we made it difficult for them. Um, but that should hopefully give our the squad, like I say, some belief, some confidence to go on and really kind of attack the rest of the campaign with. If you can go toe-to-toe with, like you said, Gavin, the kind of, the you know, by, by coefficient, the best team in the tournament. I think the bookies have them, as you say, second favourites to win the, the 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 Conference League. You know, that's a that's a marker for the team now to kind of have to try and live up to, isn't it? Yeah, I I hope they can take the the confidence from that. You know, just evidence that they are a good team, and you know we should be there. We deserve to be there, and hopefully, as the group progresses, we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll compete and we'll be difficult to beat, ideally home and away. Uh, and then, yeah, it's the kind of thing that, okay, it's, you're not playing teams like that every week, different systems, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally, it's 11 v 11, and they've got some decent players, and we were able to to match them. And I know, yeah, okay, they're maybe struggling a little bit for firepower, but I think we gave them something to think about as well. Uh, and that's probably what was encouraging. We, it wasn't a total backs to the wall, get battered, and the scoreline doesn't really tell the story that we were... Felt like we were in that game. Uh, it was actually quite enjoyable in parts as well. So a lot to like from that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's done. Uh, it's what we do moving forward that that's important. I was just going to say, on top of that as well, I think just the images at the end of the game with the with the players applauding the support who in turn are applauding the efforts of the players. It's you know just a different vibe from what we've had, especially the last two league games with, with Hearts and Hibs where it's been very very negative indeed it felt like there was a bit more of a, a coming together uh of the fans and players and you kind of that was kind of replicated online as well i think everyone was very appreciative of the efforts and i think that maybe just shows some of the new players we have that this is the backing that you'll get when you deliver that kind of performance yeah exactly and i think stefan garman in particular talked about that uh after the game as well we'll come and talk about him a little bit more my boy in a, in a minute or two later on uh but graham i guess you know for us obviously we made the trip great trip um some great scenes in the uh, Roma Square um, over the two days leading up to the game itself. Um, great fun. Another one of those just examples about why you just you just can't quite whack proper European football um, as an away supporter for Aberdeen, can you? No, definitely not. Um, I can't remember. It's been a few years since I was last at a game. You kind of forget a little bit what it's like. And then it's just seeing everyone there, you know, whether it's, just chatting to people, people you know, people you recognise from Patoji, whatever it may be. Yeah, there's nothing better than just kind of taking over a square. Uh, it would have been nice if we could have won, but overall, you know, decent account of ourselves and and hopefully that's a sign of, you know, maybe we can do something in the group stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a side note as well for Dave Cormack et al. We know you listen. Um, hopefully you were taking notes about the stadium itself. If we could have some sort of like scaled down version of that for any future stadium. If, if the big, if there that ever actually happens, that would be fucking great. Thank you very much. And I'm also all for away supporters having to be walked at least a couple of kilometers through the tire bagger to get to the way end as well. Uh, pre and post-match. Yes. So I've been under a moat in Groningen <laughs> and I've had a nice wee pleasant forest walk. So I uh, don't know what we've, well, it was pleasant on the way there. Yeah, not so much in the way back when it was pissing it down, you couldn't see a thing. Mm. But uh, yeah, the, the stadium itself—that's kind of what you'd be after. I mean, 
has been really picky. Obviously, it's going to be scaled down, maybe one a little bit steeper, uh, and yeah. really get that feeling of being sort of right on top of the pitch, regardless of where you're sitting or standing. But overall, um, pretty decent setup, actually. Yeah, that that wall of noise you got out of the Frankfurt end behind the goal, obviously where their kind of main vocal supporter kind of base was 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 really something. It's fair to say. I don't think I've really heard anything like that at a football stadium for a long, long time. Like. I think, you know, technically speaking, the stadium's about probably the same size as Ibrox, maybe just slightly bigger, slightly smaller than the Celtic Park. You never get that sort of atmosphere, either of those two grounds, no matter what. Um, yeah, incredible. And if you can get out, re- replicate that from an acoustics perspective and all that kind of stuff, it'd be amazing because that could be the type of thing that actually can become quite an intimidating atmosphere to play in. And in fairness to our team, again, I thought they stood up to that. I was kind of surprised a little bit running into the game that Frankfurt actually basically sold out the stadium for that i had anticipated we would be not exactly box office draws for this um everyone wants to see the famous c- clearly quite the opposite um maybe everyone just wants to see if basketball would involve us hitting the big screen in the middle of the pitch but um not quite not to be done this time but yeah as i say anyone looking in please that's that's what new Pitodri has to look like whatever that whenever that happens um but I yeah. just can't. I just can't believe that Graham's omitted to uh, mention the spectacle of us walking past the charred remains of a scooter on the way out of the Vichetti Cauldron. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> uh, absolutely amazing scenes. Anyway, that was um, that's trip one, then of three for this. Well, hopefully, maybe more than three uh, for this campaign in the group stages of the Conference League down. Um, Gav, obviously, you've got Helsinki to look forward to. So um, I'm sure that the end of November, start of December, can't roll around quickly enough for you. But anyway, let's move on from that uh, to the Sunday afternoon fixture with Ross County at Pataudry, which finished, of course, Aberdeen 4, Ross County nil. Sunday, the 24th of September, 2023, Pataudry Stadium. And the cinch, three changes for Barry Robson from the side who lost out in Frankfurt on Thursday evening. Connor Barron, Duke and Jimmy McGarry all coming in for Dante Povara. Jack McKenzie and Leighton Clarkson. It was, though, the visitors who probably started on the front foot. The Dons forced into an early change when James McGarry pulled up with Hammy after just six minutes to be replaced by Johnny Hayes at left wing back. And then Hayes taking a sore one from James Brown just four minutes later. The county player is fair to say extremely lucky to get away with just the booking after coming in for the tackle high and with two feet off the ground. And the red TV coverage afterwards would certainly indicate Johnny Hayes had a couple of stud marks quite high on the thigh as well after that one. I think it's fair to say Johnny was not feeling good. No, he definitely was not feeling good. Uh, astonishing that VAR didn't even take a look at that. It was Willie Colm, though, in the studio, so presumably he was just watching the Rangers game um, at this particular moment in time. And for another kind of 10 minutes, it was a game that never really threatened to, to, to get going. County happy to launch balls up the channels which in fairness, the, the Don's back three did well enough to deal with before Aberdeen did eventually get the breakthrough. A couple of corners in quick succession, eventually seeing one flung in from Connor Barron that saw Richard Jensen uh, improvise incredibly well to overhead kick the ball goalwards from the deck. And Boya Miofsky was on hand to turn the ball home from close range. I think it was going in anyway. It was. And in a way, I'm kind of like, Boyan just let it go because it would have been a much more spectacular goal. But never mind. Boyan gets us up ahead. And that goal... You could just see the kind of confidence levels in the Aberdeen team coursing through at this point. We began to knock the ball around um, on the deck and start to actually play through the lines. Who'd have thunk it? Duke with a great chance that he fashioned for himself, wriggling past two county defenders. Only to see Laidlaw charge out to close the angle. 
but the Cape Verdean didn't have wait have long to wait for his first goal of the season. Firstly, winning the ball deep in his own half before the ball was fed to Shinny, who burst forwards before drawing the goalkeeper, eventually screwing for Duke, who then in turn eventually stuck the ball home with Boyomiovsky having to leap out the way of it as well, just to make sure. Halftime, two goals to nil. The Dons very much in the driving seat. And into the second half, the Dons were off to a flyer again. Devlin with some good work down the right-hand side. His crossball was crying out for someone to turn home. But the Dons only had a couple of minutes to wait for their third. A sweeping breakaway saw Hayes play Miofsky. His square ball was tapped home by Jamie McGrath for his first goal for Aberdeen. And then four minutes later, it was for Duke with a robust challenge to win the ball and having been nudged in the back as he entered the box. Somehow managed to flick the ball with his heel to Miofsky, who then took a couple of touches before smashing it past Laidlaw at the near post. A double switch for the Dons in the aftermath of the fourth. A fine cameo appearance for Johnny Hayes, it's fair to say. Coming to an end, he was replaced by Jack McKenzie with McGrath also withdrawn for Leighton Clarkson. Clarkson then with a wonderful free kick into the box after Duke had been fouled on the south stand touchline. Rubicic inches away from heading home as the ball only just evaded his diving header. Willow Nightingale somehow avoiding a red card after another off-the-floor challenge, this time on Duke on the main stand side. Don Robertson deciding on a booking once again for that one. A double switch just after the 70 minutes mark as the Dons look to rest some legs ahead of Wednesday. Duke and Miofsky withdrawn to be replaced by Sokler and Pape Habib Gay. Randall flashing an effort wide goal from about 22 yards after the ball dropped to him in what was County's only attempt on goal in the after, in the second half. And then a great chance for Gay to play Sokler in for his first goal, but Gay's run was curtailed by the County defender who knocked it behind for a corner with four minutes remaining. But that was it. 4-0 it finished. Data, surprisingly, 49% to 51% in favour of the visitors in this one. Shots 13-11, to 11, shots on target 6-2. to two. Expected goals, Aberdeen with 2.91 to County's 0.62. Perhaps maybe a little bit troubling still, Aberdeen with just 68% passing accuracy in this game, but perhaps maybe just nitpicking a little bit with that one. Boys, um... Pre-game, social media, a lot of grumblings about the lineup, uh, particularly in terms of the fact that I think it was still the setup, still with the back three, also the fact that Clarkson had been taken out and that Duke and Rubicic remained in the team. But it's fair to say, in the end, Robson was certainly repaid by those who started the game. My first um, impression when I saw the team, obviously, is like just looking at the changes and seeing, well, that's is obviously going back to this 3-5-2, 5-3-2 formation that has been so heavily favored by Robson and just like I guess like a lot of people wondering whether that's the correct approach to take to a game with Ross County at home um the evidence so far this season would suggest no uh but the more curious thing about it was for me was uh the decision to take Danny Bovara out of the team really um I thought of all the players we'd have that would be riding on a high on the on the crest of a weight would be Dante after his performance um in in Frankfurt on Thursday so to go with to take both he and Clarkson out and stick Connor Barron in there and obviously Duke and go back to that setup. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was the correct approach. And the opening 10, 15, 20 minutes seemed to kind of back me up on that one. Uh, it wasn't until we get the opening goal where, like you say, the confidence seemed to just it seemed to just re-emerge and the players started to realize that they are they are good players and we can play in in a different way that will that will be too hard for a team like Ross County to to pick up. Uh, but yeah, I was I was definitely surprised. I, I, I wasn't surprised necessarily by McGarry coming back in um, and maybe not even so much so Clarkson dropping out. I think 
Baron's done well on his cameo appearances that he's made so far, and we do have a lot of games coming up. So, Baron played well when he came on in Frankfurt as well. Actually, I thought he was trying to get on the ball, and when he got on it, he was decent with it. To be fair, we'll talk about this later on today. Yeah, I think the corner bound we're starting to see more of the uh, the Angus Iniesta that we that we first heard about when he came into the Aberdeen team, and he was a real shining light in a time where there was not much light around Pitaudry. Uh So yeah, curious decision, but I mean, the scoreline says all we need to know. On the Povara one, Graham, just before you talk about starting lineup, I think maybe that might have been because Povara did leave the pitch on Thursday night after having cramped up quite badly, so it could have just been maybe a bit of a hangover from that and they decided they didn't want to go there. But Graham, were you kind of surprised the starting lineup decided to stick with the same shape, or should we be that surprised that the shape at least remained consistent? It's clearly just what he's going to do. And he's obviously determined to make it work. Um, the last couple of games might, um, you know, Frankfurt today would suggest that he might be onto something, but obviously we've seen quite a lot of that that suggests he's not. So I wasn't surprised about the formation. I was a little bit surprised to not see Povara in there. I'd kind of forgotten about the cramp thing, um, to be honest, but then it's been a few days. Um, so other than that, I don't think I was too upset I mean it's not really been happening for Clarkson more th- more because of the way we've been playing so it's not I don't think he's necessarily in a bad run of form the team's just not really helping him um, so no I don't think I was too no I wasn't too frustrated with uh, the choice a couple of surprises but on the other hand you've got a squad like you say we've got a few games coming up in quick succession and it's going to be a reasonably long season so it's kind of the point of having the squad Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a slightly iffy opening 10, 15 minutes. Ross Kerry certainly came at the traps quicker, obviously try to kind of force us into conceding something early doors. Um, but once we sailed and the introduction of Hayes, and I don't know because we didn't see enough of McGarry in that opening six minutes to, to really, you know, be able to tell if this was or not what was a big difference for us. But Hayes had a very good cameo, actually, it's, in, it's fair to say. We've been kind of bemoaning some of the former Johnny Hayes in recent weeks. Once again, um, but this was one of those performances where he kind of rolled back the years a little bit, got up and down the line well. But I think that helps spur us on a bit. Like I say, after especially after the first goal, we looked we looked decent in spells today. In particular, again, who'd have thunk it? Once we kept the ball down and we started to move the ball through the lines, and we weren't just shelling the ball at the park. I mean, first of all, um, on the Megari thing, it's been a long time since I've seen an Aberdeen player clutch the back of the hamstring like that. <laughs> so well done. Uh, I, I thought for just a split second there, I thought it's resigned Stevie level. Um, or Jamie Smith or Jamie Smith <laughs> um, yeah that was that was a big blow because obviously McGarry anytime he's played so far this season he's been really a real outlet for us as far as just trying to get um, our attacking game going so him going off and I've watched enough football in my time to know the difference between a pull and a tear and that is a torn hamstring all day long and we will probably not see James McGarry much for the rest of the season in my opinion and that's why well that is a big blow um, for him and for the team when it happened, all I could think of was the chat you had with the gentleman that uh, sports the the Mariners, and he made the comment that the one thing McGarry would have to kind of update with himself was his his fitness to be able to go ninety minutes to, to go for an entire season. Um, so this is a a really big blow there. Uh, but when Johnny came on, you know we know what we're going to get. It's going to be industry, and he's going to be very very direct, and he's going to get up and down the line. And I thought that him, Shinny, Duke. Um, even Jamie McGrath, you know, sometimes made some really good combinations and and got us up the pitch and got us into some threatening positions. And yeah, like I said, I mean, there, there were still times. I mean, all I had in the first twenty minutes was beside me. Graham was just mumbling 
That's fucking shite. As someone launches the ball into the channel. Yeah, straight out of play. Um, so I think that's what I'm talking about when I think in that the formation, the system, it's still not it's not the optimum use of our players. That's and not necessarily from in fairness, that's not necessarily formation. That's that's style, isn't it? Style, tactics, formation, it's all in the words of Sam Allardyce, it's all a load of bollocks anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, well, the style, you know, whatever you want to call yeah. it. I mean, it's it's all born out of you know the setup that we have. Um, it is really, it's that a goal. It's the goal that changes things. That's when the yeah. confidence flows, and that's when people start thinking. And that's when Connor Barron starts getting on the ball, especially, mm-hmm. and making himself an option for the centre backs. Yeah, so that we can have the defenders not just looking at you know the backs of the, their their teammates' shirts. They've now got an option, and when they started doing that, I thought we looked like. Can I say it? I thought we played like a really good team. Oof, right. Let's um, talk about quickly. Uh, Gav's been pouring whiskey already, so let's just settle this all right down. But um, let, let's talk about Duke quickly because he's a lot of stick this season, in particular after the most recent Hearts game. Um, and again, I can't decide if some of that's deserved. Um, I think there's been a lot, an awful lot of stuff that I kind of look at and I go on, especially online. Again, it's the worst possible place to do it. We go fucking hell, like. He's probably gone from like hero to zero in the eyes of a lot of people very, very quickly. And I think, again, you need to look at a lot of stuff in context and go, is it any wonder he looks frustrated as fuck and kind of can't be arsed if he's just watching the ball seal over his head time and time and time again. But he looked well back on track to heading into the form of last season in this match. Before the goal anyway, I actually thought, I, I, I think I tweeted out in the opening 15 minutes that I've, I'd seen more from Duke in that opening 15 minutes than I'd seen probably combined for the entirety of the season at that point. But he looked much sharper, looked much brighter, and he was unlucky not to have a couple of goals to his name as well. Also, I do wonder if there's like a certain amount of uh, misinformation is the wrong word, but I've heard people commenting, whether it was the Hibs game or Hearts, people booing his name when it's announced at the beginning of the game. And I do think that might be a burns Burns situation going on. <laughs> Possibly. Because today there was no trace of any booing when his name was read out. Um, I felt like the the opportunity that he... There's a moment in the first half when he squares up the Ross County left-sided centre-back, I think. Yeah. And he yeah. just... He last, season, last season, Duke will do something just quite outrageous just to try and see what happens. And there he just didn't look like he knew what he wanted to do and he ends up just ricocheting the ball off his feet straight out of play. Yeah. And then there's the... After we score the first goal, he just uses his body to get between those two defenders, and it's a good save from Laidlaw. But that started giving me a little bit of hope. This, the goal he scores, I was convinced this was getting sent into Botchamania. Yeah, I was worried. Yeah, I know, I know. I was convinced, first of all, that Shinny had waited too long, and the defender yes. had actually tackled him. And then when he gets it to Duke, like the defender comes in, and then it just turns into a bit of a stramash for a one-yard tap-in. But uh, I think the thing that you see when he scores is every member of the team, I think Barus runs to him, makes a big point of celebrating with him. Yeah. I think you can see the players have got his back. Mm-hmm. And I've seen questions of his work rate. There is a moment in Frankfurt on Thursday when he think he loses the ball, maybe someone else loses, and he tracks his man the length of the pitch effectively. There's no doubt in my mind that he's trying his absolute best just to do what he can do. It's just not been happening for him yet. So hopefully this goal is what sparks off another run of form like we saw last season. Well, ironically, it was the goal against Ross County, wasn't it? The overhead kick that 
sparked the well, this was a little bit different than the overhead kick. It certainly was, but this is the type of goal you need, isn't it? I mean, Graham, hopefully this goal will see his confidence kind of go through the roof now. You even saw it in the build-up for the fourth goal today, that flick, that inventiveness. You know, it's what we saw in abundance last season. It's, a, it's an outrageous piece of skill from somebody in the SPFL to decide to even attempt, let alone pull it off. Is Duke back on track? I really, really hope so. I mean... Some of the criticism's probably been fair, but I feel a lot of a lot of the criticism is borne out the fact that we're just shelling the ball. <laughs> and it's totally stupid to be doing that with the players we've got. And when we saw what we got from them last season, today when we did start playing some actual football, you see what happens. I mean, like, you know, he's got the confidence in the right position because um for the, the back heel for Miofsky and everything. I just I can't understand the logic of having a guy like that and deciding you're just going to be launching it. I can, I don't think he has been lazy as such. I think his work rate maybe has dropped to an extent, but then if he's chasing nothing for 60 minutes, you know, he's got nothing left in the tank when he does get a decent ball to latch onto, and then everyone's shouting out for not, you know, for not catching it or doing anything with it. So I have sympathy for him, and I, I really hope this is confidence boost for him and get some going and like you say it was, it was good that everyone was straight over um to sub I, I don't get the impression that his teammates feel he's chucked it at any point uh, and obviously that's critical because it's I guess at the point we've lost them uh, then it's really really difficult to come back from so really really pleased for him and let's hope we see more of uh last season's Duke and less of this season's massive credit to Graham Shinney as well I think for this goal um it's a phenomenal run up the middle of the park from a guy who a lot of people have been talking about his legs. And we'll talk about maybe why we saw a little bit more from Graham Shinney today later on. But um, incredibly unselfish. And it almost looks like he's looking to set up Duke for this goal as well. It's like everybody I'll seemed be honest, desperate to let Duke score. I was fucking goal. raging. He didn't just put <laughs> it away. Uh, I was, it's it just, he's got all the time in the world. And you think, right, it's on his left. You know, it's the ball sort of, on his left side, you think, right, this is absolutely great. Not that he can't use his right foot, but I think basically the world's his lobster. He can do whatever he wants from that angle. <laughs> uh, and then when he tries to cut in and the defender gets in, like Gav, I thought, the world's fucking idiot. lobster. Amazing. You try to be too clever, you've lost it. And then when he did get it to Duke, and it's like, I don't know, bouncing about, you're like, oh, come on, boys, we can't watch this. <laughs> and then it does go and you think, great, what a relief. Uh, but brilliant run, brilliant pass to set him off. Just really really good decisive counter uh, counter attacking yeah. play and if he really was holding up to look for someone or look for duke it's an outrageously bold move because <laughs> if that doesn't go in then he should have been getting such a towel whip in a half time <laughs> hot towel <laughs> whip <laughs> yeah <laughs> two things just look back on if you can when you watch the highlights of this there are two things which are amazing in this goal as well one and we're waiting to talk about this guy in a minute, but watch Boyamiovsky running to get up alongside Shinny. It's the funniest fucking sprint I've ever seen. There is some crazy arm pumping and leg pumping going on in it. And two, Nicky Devlin nearly gets, is nearly offside um, when the ball goes in. And I don't know what, quite what the fuck he's doing at the, what is effectively the back stick. It's the, it's the opposite side as well from where he should be. Um, that's one thing I must admit I, I am very much enjoying about Nicky Devlin is his ability and willingness to get forward. We saw it in in Frankfurt on uh, on Thursday night to good effect as well. But let's talk quickly about uh, Boyan Miofsky. 
another really good performance from him today. His work rate today as well, I thought was exceptional, in, especially in the first half. And he had a really, really good performance in Frankfurt as well. Two goals today, both of them kind of poachers goals, it's fair to say. That's up to him. That's him up to seven goals already this season. I don't think I'm probably alone now in thinking that we are going to have to really enjoy him for the period that we have him for, because I think that time might be coming to an end rather rapidly, I'd imagine, at this rate. You have to imagine that if any of the rumour and innuendo that you had in the summer towards the end of last season about the interest and the clubs that were looking at Miofsky, they are, they've got to be looking at what he's done so far this season and admiring his work. Um, he stayed, I have to assume, to play in Europe to put himself in that shop window. I do wonder uh, if we got lucky with injury as well, possibly. Potentially, but at you the know. end of the day, he was back for preseason, so I don't think that necessarily yeah. could have put anyone off too much. Um, you know, Europe, these big games, that's his that's his stage to show what he can do. And I thought on Thursday, um, in what was in what could have been a very thankless task, being the lone striker um, in a game where you're going to be pretty defensively minded, I thought he showed what everything that's improved about his game since he's been at Aberdeen. He's gone from being this just out-and-out striker to being a very all-round number nine. I think his hold-up play is just improving with every passing game. His work rate, um, his positional awareness, he's a very, very talented footballer. And I think today we saw the best of it, you know. It's a great, po- it's a poacher's goal at the end of the day, just to be in the right place, just to, for the ball just to hit him effectively into on its way into the net. And then... You know, the awareness, the the sense to to set up Jamie McGrath for the third goal. And then that's what I'm talking about with the, with the fourth one. Uses his body very well just to create that little bit of space from the defender. And at this stage, when Miofsky's in the penalty box and he's hitting the ball with his left foot, it's going nowhere else but the net. Um, I, I get the sense, like yourself, that his time at Aberdeen might be coming to an end. But I hope we, I hope we stay firm in January and we don't let him go for anything below what his value should be. And hopefully we can see him for... The remainder of the season because yeah he's a he's a very he's a very talented player the midfield three we looked a lot more balanced today in the in the south of the park it's fair to say Connor Barron uh, with an excellent performance in the middle of the park and that helped Graeme Shinney I think look a little bit more like his old self as well I thought Barron was excellent yeah I thought that was it's difficult to, you know when he sort of first broke into the team he was a bit of a breath of fresh air and it was quite exciting so it was maybe difficult to get a real feel for how good Bazar and different he was but coming into that game and the run of form we've been in etc and put in that sort of performance I thought he was absolutely brilliant I I don't know if I had reservations about when I saw him starting because I've not really fully made my mind up about him because he's had some indifferent performances as to be honest so is pretty much everyone in that team certainly this season but uh, no, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, he gave the ball away carelessly a couple of times. Fine, these things will happen. But his work great and just wanting to get on the ball. And I don't know, he seems to be, he didn't try and, didn't feel like he was forcing it. For someone who's quite young, he seems to know when it's just receive it, sort of recycle it, pass it side to side, try and keep it. And then there's times where he just seems to know when to play an attacking ball. Now, whether that's just, He's got the confidence of his teammates that you almost know certain people will be making a certain run so he can kind of hit that space. Um, just all round, really, really good performance and yeah, definitely justified getting a start. 
uh, before you come on to talk about it, there's one little voice note we got left from from Bob uh, Robert Moore um, left us this voice note earlier on. Can I talk about this a little bit as well? But the kind of balance in the middle of the park. I think today we saw a lot of cohesion, especially with the likes of Duke's goal. Like it was just a complete team effort. There's a lot of today's goals were team efforts, and it was amazing to see. Do you think this team is finally starting to gel? So can I talk just a little bit as well for me around the midfield cohesion as well, I thought today. And I've, I've stuck up uh, the, the average player position map on the screen as well for us to look at. And then I'll tweet this out when the episode goes out. <clears throat> look at the positions that Shinny and Barron in particular are adopting. You know, really just balanced in that middle of the part. They're basically between the two of them exactly where you want them, covering that space that covers the centre circle, basically. But keeping to that level of discipline, it's what we've been talking about Graham Shinney a lot already this season. It's felt like he's been trying to do too much work. Today, it felt like he had a really willing partner in the middle of the park in Connor Barron. Admittedly, Ross County didn't really challenge us very much in the middle of the park today, it's fair to say. And that's what we would have been expecting based on what we spoke about last week. But it definitely just felt a lot more balanced. Than and, and, and as a result of that, we got a performance out of Graham Shinney today that was much more like a Graham Shinney performance of old. Yeah, I, I was just looking at Gav's face chuckling when you said Ross County didn't really challenge us. <laughs> Some of those challenges were pretty spicy. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it wasn't nearly... Strong, as, strong style is the word. Strong, mm-hmm. yes, robust. Um, it's a Tokyo Dome. Okay, we'll skip that. Um, it <laughs> wasn't quite the brutal midfield war of attrition that we've seen in some other games so maybe that did help but that was the shinny that we are used to seeing and and kind of need to see him and there were times where he was just you know good bits of skill happy to get the ball under pressure and I don't know if it just sort of like he feels he can be a bit more adventurous because he knows Conor Barron will will do the work to cover for him I don't know Um, or if it's just the fact that we didn't really get pressed as much I'm not sure, uh, but it certainly worked well with, with a pair of them. And yeah, that was a that was a shiny performance that we all thought we were going to be getting when he re-signed. I mean, I thought Graham Shinney was very good on, on Thursday in, in Frankfurt as well. Yeah, I thought he was. So I'm not yeah. necessarily surprised but, by the performance, but I think what I liked about today was just the simple fact, as I said, that Barron was actively showing for the ball any time any Aberdeen player had was in possession, just giving them an option. That's just there's been too many times. Um, it was picked up by Neil McCann in the his analysis of the Hearts game. That was just too many times where Aberdeen players are actively running away from the ball rather than than making themselves an option. So uh, that was that was very satisfying. I mean, let's be honest. If Ross County are very, very, very direct, so um, there was not the midfield battle that we were perhaps expecting, but and again, it, it all comes from the first goal. But I thought when we got that goal our balance in the field was was very admirable indeed. And I think there's maybe times where still perhaps like it felt like they were often coming wide to try and receive the ball. And that it did in turn lead to, if we lost possession, big gaps in the center of the park, which thankfully today, Ross Kate were not able to take advantage of. I would like to see us, um, the distances be closer. But what you can see from those positions that you've said there is that also like maybe in the between 20 minutes and 45 minutes that is what was happening and and McGrath was also as you see there slightly further advanced but there was he was getting into good positions to assist the strikers um so yeah um I think all I'm gonna say is just a very cohesive it felt like a game a performance where the midfielders knew their task knew their role 
but there must be one error because I cannot see on this positional map James McGarry slowly hobbling along the south side <laughs> touchline. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think he's been replaced in that map by um, Johnny Hayes's data, uh, but never mind. Fair point. Um, <clears throat> Speaking before we move on to talk about Jamie McGrath, because eh, it transpired because in Frankfurt during the course of the week, somebody um, came out of a wee chat to us about uh, wrestling. Um, oh, well, Graham must have been loving that. Initially, initially to hold no, him me. off. But then, as it turns out, right, Graham basically sits squarely in what you would effectively call Gavin in the parlance, lapsed fan territory. Because then there was a lot of chat about, well, is Graham a Hulkamaniac or, is he, or was he an ultra wo- ultimate warrior like fan? And Graham? You're a warrior, man, aren't you? He, no Hulkamaniac no, yeah, he was a young Hulkamaniac I also like the Ultimate Warrior so obviously I had to like the other one fair play so there we go. which then made me think well I should just introduce Graham to the Laps fan obviously and then that'll just be that and we'll never see him ever again but I do think that should be a thing anyway moving on Jamie McGrath massive goal for him you feel to kind of get him up and running he kind of for me he kind of flitted in and out of the game a little bit but I think that's probably what we can expect from McGrath to an extent some flashes again of what he'd offer. Um, but similar to Duke, you'd like to think that goal will do him the world of good. And before we come on to that, here's um, Bobby's Soggy Biscuit, which still to me is quite possibly the best Twitter handle going with his thoughts just on the game itself and then about Jamie McGrath. I think I saw this gentleman's tweet, so I wonder what this is going to be like. Well, well, well. If today's performance wasn't the light bulb moment that uh, Barry needed to realise how much better we are when we have that ball on the deck. Um, and I, I don't think it'll ever strike home. Uh, pre-match, I had concerns about Rubizic starting, no Clarkson against a team that you're trying to, to unlock and probably needed his creativity. But now I'm about to sit and wolf down a massive fuck-off piece of humble pie because Rubizic was solid, looks a lot more composed with Gartman and Jensen alongside him. So hopefully he continues that. And... Uh, Baron probably should have been man of the match for me. Um, just positive in possession, always looking to get on it. Solid performance all round, I think. Um, just keen to hear Gav's thoughts on Jamie McGrath now. So, Gav, <laughs> um, has Jamie McGrath turned it round in your eyes after today's performance? And actually, his performance in Frankfurt. Although in saying that, Graham, you know, it was an opening few minutes, I think we had a burst to do on goal and he screwed wide one of the worst shots I've ever seen a professional footballer ever take. Um, I was I was saying to Gav, did you enjoy that? And like, I don't even remember that. He probably doesn't remember it because he doesn't constitute that as being a shot. Yeah, We're he, only making it out to be a shot. It was effectively yeah. a pass towards the, car, the corner flag, wasn't it? It was, it was I, I, I would imagine on the TV screen, it probably didn't look as wild as it looked from where our vantage point was right maybe. on it. Um, anyway, Gav... Jamie McGrath, are you swallowing down a big old chunk of humble pie as well this evening? I mean, when it comes to Thursday, I think also maybe you guys didn't appreciate it from where you were, but there's a moment where he's running towards the left corner flag of Frankfurt. And do you guys remember years ago, Morton Gats Pedersen playing for Blackburn against Arsenal? He turns around to look where the referee is and then takes the most ridiculous mm-hmm. dive that's ever been taken by a footballer. I did McGrath, it. It's not as bad, but he does the same thing. It's like, mate, mate, what are you doing? What are you doing? So that's my takeaway from his performance at Frankfurt. Um, I could have scored that goal today, so fuck it. <laughs> Gav is doubling down um, in a very Limmy-esque fashion, but... You know what? I, I think that he did offer um, a lot of running and did help out the strikers when he could. And I think the things we've struggled with is just that we've 
whenever we have gotten the ball to Duke or Miofsky this season, so often they're just on an island by themselves. This was probably the first game that I can think of where we had midfield runners all game getting into the box to, to help them out. And he gets his just rewards for, for the third goal. And there's times in the first half that he makes some good, some good runs, makes some good touches. I just felt there was times where he could have been more decisive, just getting a shot away or making that, that killer pass. He seems to be a bit hesitant. Um, I'll be delighted if Jamie McGrath proves me wrong. But if this season is going to turn into, hey, Gaff, what do you think every time McGrath does something good versus me being uber critical? Well, let's just let's just keep a scoreboard. Call it 1-0 now. <laughs> uh, Graham, you can bring some more rationalised thoughts to this. Um, that's going to be a big goal for Jamie McGrath today, isn't it? Because um, I think, you know, the other thing we need to remember as well is this is a player who's probably coming to the squad... Relatively low in confidence, obviously, have been relegated with Dundee United last season. Let's just remember that for a fucking good old laugh. Uh, United on the pitch at Inverness yesterday, celebrating a injury time winner. That's levels for you. Um, but that goal will do him the world of good, you'd imagine, and settling into a new club and stepping up massively from where he's been for the last few seasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's also not forget he wasn't too far off getting a goal in his debut uh, against Hecken. Yep. I'll be offside, but wasn't a million miles away. But I thought he was like he's going to. He has moments where he frustrates, but let's be honest, who doesn't in that team? I, I thought he was, I thought he was decent um, and good to see him getting goal because can't I don't really feel like we can rely on Duke Gamiowski all season. Uh, it certainly looks like he's going to be playing on a regular basis, so having him uh, full of confidence is obviously a good thing. So, yeah, I was pleased to see him get a goal. Had a wee look around at the gaff to see if he was celebrating. He saw me looking at him and then pretended not to celebrate. That's how petty the <laughs> is. I desperately tried not to make eye contact. <laughs> so, uh. yeah, a decent, a decent performance for him uh, all round and hopefully he's starting to find his feet um, at Aberdeen. Uh, and we'll see what we not get literally, from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, li- not, not literally. literally trying to find his feet. That would be a bit weird. Oh, that, that would be a bit weird. Uh, and would beg the question, what the hell happened to them at Wigan? What do they do with them down there? So, <laughs> Besides not pay them. Well, yeah. Which is maybe, to sell, maybe to sell one of his feet. Well, I thought it was good. Right, listeners, this is the typical point on the Sunday evening when Gary has departed our company to presumably get a charger. Probably. Or, che- or check in on the latest news on thegreenbrigade.com. Gary Scott, Aberdeen's most incompetent host. So we'll just pick things up from where I can see. Oh, I can see in the reflection he is plugging something in. It's definitely a charger. Of course he is. What a fucking idiot. We'll pick things up where he's left off. Nicky Devlin, Graham. Uh, A very solid performance. Did some good work at the top end of the pitch. Wasn't necessarily challenged so much going the opposite direction, but uh, it is him that drives us out of the gates in the the second half, isn't it? Yeah. I've been... um... You know, I'm happy enough with with Devlin so far. Maybe not the the silkiest, but he puts in he puts in a hell of a shift, and that's more than just this game where he's making good runs and some of the runs he's making towards the end of the game as well to get up and support are really, 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 really positive. So I thought he'd had a good uh, another good game all round. Actually, You're right, maybe it wasn't challenged the most going back the way, which allowed him to push on a bit but then that's what you kind of want to see that he's going to realise maybe he's got a bit more licence to go forward in those types of games uh, and make the most of it so good good work from Devlin 
all round. Uh, he's been pretty steady signing so far. Yes, that goal against Celtic aside. Yes, can I picked up where you left off as you departed. I am assuming do we get a charger? Uh, I went for charger as a secondary measure. Um, there we go. In no, okay, case. well, we'll leave it there then. Indeed. Um, so we talked about Nicky Devon there. Um, the back three. Let's talk about them because again, it's been an area of big concern this week. Let's start with Dick Jensen, who that will be his name now from now the on. Big, uh, the big Dick Jensen experience. The big Dick Jensen experience. Solid. Again, today I thought perhaps maybe a little bit keen in the opening stages to launch it forward, but still defensively he followed up a strong showing in Frankfurt again after we'd kind of criticised his involvement in the second goal at Tyne Castle last week. He followed that up with, an, again, another strong performance today, I thought, and um, that's caught an outrageous assist <laughs> for the opening goal. <laughs> Uh, Rashid Bellaba would have been proud of that. He fucking would have been. I never saw Rashid actually do an overhead kick from the reverse turtle position. <laughs> um, I like him a lot. Uh, I mean, I was I was frustrated with his efforts for the second goal that Hearts scored against us last weekend. Weekend, because I just thought he should be Gavin, What did you describe it as? I think I called it as weak as a nun's piss, if I remember correctly. I think you did. That was it. Yeah, lovely. But, you know, I like him a lot. I think, yeah, he put in a really good performance against Frankfurt and he just looks very measured, very solid. And the thing that I like the most, he looks he's got a lot of leadership qualities. I saw him talking through, like, McKenzie in the second half, Rubicic in the second half, other teammates just when he, when he got the opportunity, talking to the refs, trying to put pressure on them as well. Seems to be a guy that's really, seems to be a guy that gets it. And, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, solid performance and plenty to like. Some good interceptions and hopefully, collectively as a team, when we try and cut out the requirement or desire to shell it, uh, looks like he's comfortable enough on the ball as well. You know, I don't think he's limited enough that he has to shell it and you'd want him to just... You know, we've had defenders in the past, you think, get rid. Your defending's okay, but I don't want you playing any football. But he looked quite comfortable the times we did try to play a bit. So um, it's all starting to, it feels like it might be starting to come together with some of these guys. Yeah, and much like his Danish counterpart on the other side, it looks like he's the perfect kind of foil for that left-sided centre-back position in the back three that we are going to stick with. I think it's probably safe to say that now. And you need the right players with the right attributes and Jensen for that position, spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't mind if we decide to stick with this sort of shape if we see some more of what we saw today, which was more around the style, I think it's fair to say. You just talked about him there, Gavin. Stefan Gartenman, when we didn't really talk an awful lot about him after his debut at Tynecastle, um last time out in the league, it was kind of hard to really get a, a read on him, although I think he probably was one of the few players that came out of that game with any sort of pass marks. Um, in JR parlance, he looks like a real blue chipper. Um, he was brilliant in Germany, I thought. Um, during the week and he followed that with a really fine performance here as well and it's maybe just a little bit unfortunate already looking at this and thinking we don't have at this moment in time anyway an option to buy um on on stefan garten man because he looks like a really solid addition to the to the squad i tell you what that is a guy that loves a crunching sliding tackle and i'm all for it uh, i like him I like, again i like him a lot um on the early early showings that he's put in looks um dare I say it, it looks a bit of a Rolls Royce of a defender really um, it's one of those where you're thinking I know that we were tracking him for quite some time it took a long time to get that deal over the line uh, I kind of almost wish we could have got him in 
earlier than we did so we could have integrated him in much sooner and had him available for for Hecken. Um that would have been like a, could have made a real big difference to to the performance. Um uh, much like Jensen again he just seems like he's the perfect foil for for that position on the right side of the, of the back three. Looks again I think there was times in the first half especially where he was maybe just going a bit too direct um and playing some aimless passes but I think you show he showed flashes that there's a he's also like a really good footballer on top yes. of being a very good defender similar to Jens and I think he can actually play a pass if he's asked to so it's like let's ask them to do more of that rather than just hoof the ball at the park um Graham Stefan Gartenmann despite the fact he's got such a Germanic name apparently has no Germanic blood at all in him but never mind um he's he's done well opening three games yeah yeah really pleased with him uh again you know he's got the he's got the build for the physical stuff likes to tackle, which is obviously encouraging in your defenders. But so far, in a small sample size, isn't just one of these guys who just likes to tackle anything and is going to get himself sent off on a regular basis. Looks like he knows when to launch into a tackle and when not to. And yeah, I think um, I think with him and Jensen, if we can try and cut out the long ball stuff, it looks like you've got two guys that are able to play a pass and actually can probably... To an extent, you know, with a, if you've got like Devlin supporting on the, the right or obviously with Gary Hayes, but you know, if you've got guys coming back to give them an option, can play their way out of trouble, they look comfortable on the ball. Uh, and that's kind of what we, I feel like I want to see from Aberdeen is that if these guys have the ball under pressure, yeah, there's a time when we need to get rid. But also if you've got an option, you know, play a short pass, get it back, try and play our way out of trouble. Um, so really, really good performance today uh, and long way that continue seems like he's got ice flowing through his veins he's very very composed yeah like even like when the ball's kind of bouncing around our penalty area and it comes to him he just seems to have the the nous to just take the ball under control and, and and deal with it um and you know the thing is that i think last season we had with scales and with pollock we had two center backs who could also push forward and become attacking options i think that both he and jensen I've got the athleticism and the quality to be those players for us this season. Uh, I think in time when we maybe just uh, gain more of that belief in in the players that we have. The good thing, I guess, as well, with especially Jensen and Gartman, is that they're they're good ages. I mean, Gartman's twenty six, Jensen's twenty seven. They've got decent experience under their belts now. You know, Gartman's played with uh, Michelin at you know. Um, Europa League level. Um, Jensen has obviously gone and played in the kind of Polish top flight. Jensen's obviously an international defensive for Finland. There's good experience there now as well in that back three. It's not like it's... Uh, well, And we're going to come on to talk about Rubicic in a minute. But those two, you know, when you actually boil that back for a minute or two and you actually put that, just you just go, actually, that's... That's on the face of it again. Some some good business it looks like we've probably done in those areas. It's not young kids coming in. We saw Matty Pot come in last season do really really well with us, but he is a young lad, and I think he's an exception that proves the rule. If you're kind of picking around in that loan market in England, especially in the kind of Championship League One, chances are you're getting guys who haven't played a lot of football, and and Pollock sat in that category to an extent. But there's something quite special with Matty Pollock. Things of football, I think he should, in inverted commas, go and have a good career. A lot of times you've got a lot of rashness and a lot of rawness in there. That's not what we're going to see, I don't think, from 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 Gartenman and from Jan- yeah, Jensen. I mean, on the face of it, like you say, it just feels like it's a different caliber of player, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say so. That we're bringing in. And yeah, so far, they. 
I feel like they're living up to the hype. So yeah, long may that continue, and hopefully, this this trio turns out to be a very very good combination for us. Well, let's talk about the final part in the trio then, and maybe this is a guy who will benefit from having that level of experience either side of him. And it goes on actually just before we talk about this player in a, in a minute. Because one of the things I really liked about our performance on Thursday night in in Germany was that I didn't feel at any time that we looked overawed with the with the situation, with the atmosphere, with the level of game we were playing. And I think that that is where having probably like Sigartman and Jensen and guys like that in the team, alongside Shinny, who's kind of seen a lot, but has never really played on that sort of stage, it's fair to say. Um, same for Devlin. You know, he's, he's an experienced professional, but has never played at that sort of level. I was really impressed with that we didn't look overall at all on Thursday night with the kind of just 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 where we were at. You know, sometimes you can see teams with you know rabbits in the headlights type thing, but we didn't show that on on Thursday. I mean, in in classic social media fashion, there was always comments about the players doing the little like walk around the pitch before the game, and some of them being on their phones taking pictures and stuff. And as the teams are lining up, Boyan Miofsky, like you would have seen it, but he's got the biggest smile on his face when the music's playing. I was just looking around the stadium and it, at that point you're like, oh, are these guys just happy to be there? Do they just accepted their you know their fate as such? But no, you're absolutely right. I think they just they enjoyed the experience clearly, but they were also of the mindset that we're here to do a job and it's eleven v eleven. Let's make something happen here. And that's a big part of the performance on Thursday. I saw a bit of that with Miofsky and I I actually thought the complete opposite from a lot of people watching. I thought that was Miofsky embracing the fact he'd reached this level. But knowing there's more to come as far as he's concerned, but just loving every minute and knowing, okay, I've got to this point. That's like a kind of tick box. Next, you know, looking for the next part. Let's talk about Slobodan Rubicic. Um, Rubicic. <laughs> I nearly did the Kaiser Chiefs thing there, and I'm not going to. Uh, he's been much maligned, it's fair to say, since he's come into the team. Um, some of that's been justified, I think, as well. Some of that's a little bit unfair to an extent so far as well i don't think certain things have helped him but this was a performance as was his performance in the main on thursday night he loses his cock for the goal which is extremely disappointing but other than that i actually thought he played quite well on on thursday evening this was a performance from somebody who maybe is perhaps kind of growing into the role up against jordan white today and, and we talked about this last week Jordan White's main strength is obviously in the air. He White had won the most white headers out of anyone in the league coming into this game today. Rubicic dominated him today. He won 80% of the aerial duels, which completely nullified that main threat that, that, that Ross County bring. Today's performance, there was one little moment in the second half where he kind of jumped in on, I think it was Brophy, missed it. And you thought, uh, maybe he's going to let him in. But he actually showed some really good game awareness there because instead of chasing back Brophy, he noticed that McKenzie had come in to cover Brophy and he looked, he charged off towards the position that McKenzie had vacated, which again, I think showed some, some, some good kind of development there from it. But all in all, a performance like today and on Thursday, it's going to do Slobby Rubizic. Don't call him Slobby Rubizic. <laughs> I'm going to call him Slobby Rubizic. It's going to do him the world of good, isn't it? I thought he showed amazing in-game intelligence when he let Brophy have a shot. <laughs> don't know why Mackenzie bothered covering him. <laughs> Absolutely no danger is, there. is it just me, or is he just really garbage? Oh, he's <laughs> fucking honking. But as in, genuinely, how is he getting paid to play actual football? Let's not forget, he is a Scotland international. And of all of us here, we is. do play Ross County on Wednesday I, night. I don't, so I don't let's care. Not... I don't care. 
He's fucking murder. <laughs> um, I think you are omitting the fact that he absolutely does wipe out Jordan White in the first half. It's fine. And how he avoids a yellow card for that, I don't really know. <laughs> no, let's, is... let's be fair. Well, on the well, scale be... of what it took to get a yellow, yeah, that was exactly. not a yellow. Maintaining his 100% yellow card record to date, that's uh, <laughs> been wiped now. It's what? Like Undertaker Street's like nine and one. Um, so there's Ross, still there's Ross there's still, Brock Lesnar. Is that what we're saying? There's still um, uh, country folk. Um, there's still there's still <laughs> moments where it's incredibly, incredibly rash from Rubisic for sure. Um, and there are still instances where I think he makes the wrong decision of like whether to stand off or engage his opponent, and he'll give away like a silly foul here and there. But I have to say, I think that's by far and away the best I've seen of him so far today. And I think, you know, if it's going to be simply a case of go win your headers, that's your main task. Go dominate in the air. And when you have the ball, you're going to have Jens in one side, Gartham in the other side. You're going to have a Connor Barron type coming hey, close well, he, to you. He, he was helped by Connor Barron in there today as well. Always gave him something he could play with. And you can see it on the pitch um, in, in moments like... <laughs> Because Rubizic is that he's actually he's quite he talks quite a lot to his teammates. Yeah. And I could see him like being like very obviously appreciative of what Connor Barron was doing for him there. Um so with the ball, I, I assume that like, he, you know, made quite a successful number of passes. He made the but, most successful number of passes of anyone on the pitch that played more than 45 minutes. Excellent. Well, there you go. He's the new Chavi. Um yeah, very good <laughs> performance. Maybe the new PK. Uh yeah, good performance. More of that, please. Graham, we talked about it, I think, at some point between Thursday night and the game finishing in Frankfurt and flying home on Friday night. Um, it could have been potentially during our hour-long delay sitting in Frankfurt Airport because a storm hit. Um, that perhaps the Ross County game was going to be a game that would really suit Rubisic because of the way we knew Ross County were going to play. Yes. I, I, that That's an example where if it's the physical stuff, you would back him nine times out of ten. Uh, and in games like today... I think he's absolutely the man for that role. Uh, it's whether he can learn and develop so you know he can still hold down a position when we're playing opposition who don't have a big threat or don't use that the whole time. You know, that sort of uh, idea of, I think, like Hecken doing quite yeah. well, sort of that, the ball into the space and someone runs off him, as, it, you know, as in someone drops deep to collect. Does he follow? What does he do? That would be that would give me a concern when we're playing someone different. But today, when it's balls into the air against a guy who is very good at winning headers and clearly that their game is to have obviously I don't rate Brophy, but like uh, Simon Murray, no one's doing quite well, working well with White in terms of that big man, little man. Um uh, Rubisic was really, really good. And you're right, he had the odd moment. Um, but that's always gonna happen anyway, to be honest. Let's be honest. It doesn't really matter how good you are, you're always going to do something silly. But the fact that maybe you realised, like the, the McKenzie example you gave, he didn't just try and chase the same man. He realised, well, I'll go and cover for him because he's covered for me. Uh, and I think it's key him having options uh, on the ball. Uh, one, because he's the weakest of the three from a footballing point of view, uh, in my opinion. And there's no point in putting him under pressure by making him play. It's a bit like what we saw with... Tony Stewart last season, he was okay when it came to actual defending, but we'll try to turn him into a footballer. And he just wasn't it wasn't his game. And that just caused problems. Whereas if we're gonna have if we're gonna persist with Rubic, 
where we need to have people around him. So he always has a short pass Something. on. Now at times, yeah, at times you need to shell it, that's fine. But as long as he has a pass, I think he, uh, you know, he showed enough today that there's something there to work with. I was pleased for him today. I, I really was because I, I thought he's had a lot of stick coming at this. I think people do need to remember he's still a young, he's still a young guy. He's 23 and I know people say that oh, 23 is enough. I'm pretty sure he's played less than less than 100 games of first team football in his career before he's come to Aberdeen. Um, <clears throat> most of that in the Serbian league. It's still a bit of an ask for him to come in, and he he was asked also to come in and kind of hit the ground running. And I don't want to go down the Barry Robson route of excuses, but at least today that's us now played with the same central back three now for three games on the spin. And you've kind of got to hope we can just if we're gonna persist with three at the back, which clearly we are in one way or another, let's let that back three just kind of bed in, settle in, get to know each other. And I think now him having, and we just touched on it, Gartenman and Jens on either side of him, guys with experience, it's almost the complete opposite to what we had last season where you had Pollock a bit raw. And Scales, to an extent, hasn't played a lot of top-flight football in you know, a top-flight league, being marshaled by the guy sitting in the middle in McDonald. It's kind of opposite way around this time. Um, but maybe, just maybe, we, we might be about to see the beginnings of something decent now of Slobdan Rubicic. All in all, though, today, ropey first 15-20 minutes, it's fucking amazing, though, what happens when we try to play a bit of football. Definitely. Like when Gav was saying at the, the start when I was moaning, that first 10, 15, maybe a little bit longer, I just think, you know, here we go. This is going to be brutal and we're not going to get anything out of this. And then maybe it, maybe it is the goal that triggers it. But yeah, at the point where we started to play football, I'm trying to feet in the ground here because obviously hearts were whacking themselves into his about beating us. And we're not quite the finished article at the moment. We weren't very good against them. So uh, I'm not really thinking Ross County are much of a, a footballing team. We dealt with the direct approach, but they're not really going to cause you much. Generally speaking, I would expect them to be footballing their way through matches. It'll be... Uh, I, think that's a, I think that's a good sign, though. We, we nullified... Well, counties. that's what... Yeah, Strengths, um, which are being so direct. we had a bit more time and space than I maybe thought we would have done in the midfield. Um, but I feel like it showed that there's a decent team there, there are good players there. So let's cut this insistence on shelling it and launching mm-hmm. it and panicking. Let us let them show what they can what they can do. They can do. At times it was it was enjoyable. It's been with the exception of Thursday, it's been a wee while since so I could probably come back out of Pataudry saying uh, I actually enjoyed that and we got the rewards for it I mean 4-0 pretty impressive considering the league run we've been on all the pressure all the talk and it was only one game you went to Wednesday and it's massive again but it was good to get that uh, get that performance in and hopefully that gives everyone uh, something to cling on to yeah one swallow doesn't make a summer Uh, no there's a long way to go but it's nice to see it absolutely Gav um, maybe we flew the right way home this time <laughs> yeah, you didn't fly south. Yeah, <laughs> didn't go via Antarctica. This, this uh, Thursday Sunday thing's a piece of piss. Absolute doddle. Absolute. Well, now it's Wednesday Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, this this week. Yes, maybe that. And then, yeah, and that's this is Dingwall this time. Um, I think I was just echo the sentiments that Graham said. There, there's a good, I believe, individually that we've got some very good players, and we just simply need to allow them. To show what they're about this season, we've just we've nullified 
our talents by the strategy that we've adopted today. Hopefully, as um as the callers have mentioned as well, it will be the wake up call for Bob for Barry Robson to realize this is the way forward for the rest of the season. Indeed. And I guess it's one thing I, I meant to talk about when I came back after picking up my charger. Um I'll quickly talk about it just now. The good thing about the last two performances in particular, Frankfurt and then today, is that it genuinely feels like we actually have options in the middle of the park all of a sudden who can kind of come in and come out. You know, we we you know, Leighton Clarkson only came on for the last 25 minutes of today's performance. Dante Povara had an excellent game on Thursday night in uh, Frankfurt. Um, McGrath, you know, today hopefully that goal will do him a world of good. You've got Graham Shinney in there as well. Suddenly there's kind of options in that mid-centre of the park as well, which we didn't even feel like we had last week. You know, it felt like we were kind of really struggling in there. Um, you know, we were all bemoaning the Ramadani-shaped hole, and we'll see how that progresses as we go. But suddenly in the last two games, I'm suddenly like, ah, it doesn't seem like a massive miss at this moment in time, as long as we can continue with that. Let's move on from that. Uh, let's have a quick look at the top Dawn percentages today. It's going to well since we've stuck one of these out. Gav did one, I think, on Thursday night, because I there was no fucking danger I was doing that on Thursday. Uh, Steve-O um, won. Who? Steve-O. Uh, big Gartenman. I thought you should have put Jensen in there as well. I don't know why I didn't have Jensen in, but anyway. I thought it was a number of options. But uh, Gartenman's defensive performance made him the standout defender. He was. Me. He was very, very good, to be fair. But today, um, the forward Duke, Connor Barron, Boyamiowski, and Stefan Gartenman. Duke just four percent of the vote on the on the solar system, which I'm quite surprised that I thought Duke had a good game today. Um, Stefan Gartenman, twenty three percent. Connor Barron with twenty five percent. But your top don in the solar system was Boyamiowski with. 48%, two goals and an assist. Gents, though, who would your top don from this afternoon have been? I would have picked Barron. I think Connor Barron is a very worthy candidate, for sure. But uh, I just think Boya Miofsky showed his class, showed why he's on a completely different level from like, anyone else in our team and most of Scottish football. Um, Boya Miofsky. Yeah, I, I, as much as it pains me to do it, I'm going to agree with Gavin. Um, Boya Miofsky. I thought Connor Barron was... Very, very good today. Probably the best performance we've seen from him probably since he came into the team under uh, Steve Glass and Jim Goodwin's last uh, initial first few games. Um, I would certainly say since the Glass-Goodwin debacle. Yes. Yeah, I would say so as well. Um, I thought Stephen Gartman was excellent today as well, but it's hard to not give the decision to a guy at the top end of the park who scores two and assists one and put in a real shift all game. So there we go. Uh, Boya Mavsky with two votes here, one for Conor Barron. Milski wins the vote on the popular side as it is. Shall we move on? Yes, please. On to other news from AB24 this week. So with all eyes on Frankfurt, it was quite a, a quiet week, it's fair to say, um, at AB24. Other than, firstly, the announcement that the highly rated youngster Finlay Marshall had signed a contract extension, which we'll see the 17-year-old, who's enjoying a really, really good start to the campaign this season so far. He'll remain at the club now until 2026. And then on Saturday, the news broke but midday, I think it was, that Alfie Bavage would join League One side Kelty Hearts on loan until January. Uh, we'll cover Alfie's initial debut for Kelty in loan watch in a minute. But a decent move for him, do you think? Um, I do wonder when we were negotiating with Alfie at the end of last season, if we'd mentioned that, you know, he'd be going and out to Kelty Hearts and getting scudded by Falkirk this season. That would be his occupation. I, I suspect that might not have been in the discussions. Um, I, I'm. He's gonna need the, minutes. He needs games. So. In the in the flashes that I saw last season and just his goal record, I thought he'd 
be more active in the first team squad than he's going to be. But we've obviously, you know, retained Duke Edmiovsky and then brought another two strikers in. So he's going to be getting absolutely zero game time, barring a, you know, injury crisis like no other. So he needs to go out and play. Kelsey obviously lost a few of their attacking players in the summer. So they need a striker as well. Hopefully he can go out and you know, score a barrel load of goals and then we'll we'll revisit this in January. But that's not a good way to start your Kelty career. It's not the best, it's fair to say. But Graham, it's probably the right thing for him to go out and get some games until January. There's no point in him. It looks like he's better than his age group, if you like. You know, he's yeah. performing well there. So there seems little point in putting him out in those games and then you know him just not even in the squad necessarily for... For match days, uh, depending on who we've got available, so it's not by wasting time with him on the bench and not playing. Uh, that being said, I'm a little bit disappointed that he's not featuring more. But you don't know. Maybe we, maybe we thought, hoped, expected to lose one of Duke Armiovsky, in which case that would have freed up. Now that doesn't mean he'd been playing every week, but clearly he's probably then more likely than not to be on the bench, and he might get some minutes. And maybe the way things have worked out. Uh, though the space just isn't there for him um, so I hope it works out for him hopefully he can get some goals get some confidence uh, and I suppose just learn his craft a little bit more because it's it's a different he can go level, play a different game well yeah it's it's a learning curve for him um, I think even years ago when Maguire went out on loan came back and he was more I don't know, he seemed to have better ability to use his body to protect the ball etc yeah. um, so it's going to be a I'm pretty sure it'd be a steep learning curve for him, but from what we've seen at uh, his age group, he's got the technical side of it. So hopefully that'll that'll show. Um, yeah, and if he can learn learn the ropes, learn how to cheat, or sorry, uh, use his experience, then that'll be good. Indeed. Uh, for the Quines, no games this week because of the international breaks. They're away to Hibs next Sunday in the SWPL Cup. And then for the young team, also no game this week. Uh, Hibs travel to Cormac Park on Friday. On Cass, under 18 duty, quickly on to Lone Watch, Kieran Nguyen at Park Thistle, came off the bench for the final 10 minutes as Thistle took a big old ride on the big dick experience. They were left with a 3-0 defeat to show for their efforts as the Red Lichties continued their recent resurgence up the table. Evan Tyler at Montrose, no place again in the squad for Evan Tyler as Montrose beat Sterling Alvin by a goal to nil in League One at Lynx Park. Alfie Babbage, we just spoke about him, straight into the starting lineup for Kelty Hearts and he played the majority of the game as Kelty went down by five goals to one at home to Falkirk in League One. Aaron Reid, he came off the bench with 17 minutes to go as Peter Head beat Greg Wildless Dumbarton by one goal to nil in League Two. Then Barton haven't won a game yet since Greg Weld at part of the club. Just pointing out. Just saying. Liam Harvey and Blair McKenzie, Elgin City, both started, both lasted the full 90 minutes. Elgin, though, going down by two goals to one to Clyde in League Two. Dylan Lobbin and Adam Emsley for Martin United, both starting as for Martin. Eventually made it past three Rovers in the first round of the Scottish Cup by three goals to two. Finlay Murray at Turriff United. Another start, another 90 minutes as Turriff progressed to round two of the Scottish Cup as they saw off Socky Juniors by two goals to one. Jaden Richardson, an injury time sub as Stockport County smashed Wrexham 5-0 in League Two down south. Look out for some absolute fucking ricks from ex-Don Mark Howard in the Wrexham goal when welcome to Wrexham season two hits. I won't believe it till I see it. <laughs> you will see it and you will believe it. Uh, Anthony Stewart at MK Dons, a first start of the season 
uh, on his second loan spell with the Dons of a Milton Keynes variety. A 1-1 draw with Sutton United in League 2 for his efforts. Will that do us, chaps, for this half? Yeah, this yep. is much more fun. This is lots more fun, isn't it? Join us after the break. We'll preview our League Cup quarterfinal with Dross County and our trip to Mordor next weekend. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce their latest venture, Doe & Co. Brand new, freshly baked, handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen. The grand opening on Friday the 1st of September 2023. Make sure to check them out. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to the return, it's not the return of the cinch, what you're talking about, Gary. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to preview our double header this week against Ross County and Sevco, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the ABZ mm-hmm. FP Beer and Coffee Fund. Some of you this week in person in Frankfurt, which was obviously, Graham, absolutely much appreciated. Thank you to those of you who did so. Much appreciated and also slightly ridiculous that people are still <laughs> listening. Uh, and I it was really cool actually that um, you know some people maybe we've met before that, that we bumped into and that was great. And other guys just recognise uh, local celebrity Gary Scott. So it was really really cool to get, catch up with people that listen. And it's really good to get the different opinions from people. Yeah in person um so yeah to everyone that we did bump into it was really really nice to meet everyone uh, and yeah for those that do chip in um when you can it truly does make a big difference yeah it absolutely does and and we it's that weird thing where you just think you're standing talking i was like standing talking just to you graham at one point and i somebody was turning but i recognize that voice it's like well, that's deeply concerning on a number of different levels, but never mind. <laughs> it's usually spouting shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, and also, in a virtual sense, this week, Mark Robertson, again, we see you. We acknowledge you. Your bread is absolutely much appreciated. Uh, I also um, admire the fact that you asked us to get one for our better halves this week as opposed to using it for ourselves. But um, let's be honest. They don't listen, they'll never know. (laughs) Exactly. So if you'd like to help us keep fueling beers, coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. Link in the description. Shout us that beer or coffee, it's much appreciated. Gents, a massive, we spoke about it last week, I think, heading into the Frankfurt game, and we kind of almost were like, the Frankfurt game was almost a sideshow to what was actually about to come up. um, Because... There was the double header against County in particular that looked massively critical. I think the performance in Germany, on one hand, also managed to just kind of maybe allay some fears to an extent, although I think most people, myself included, were still looking at the two games against County in particular as being, you know, the kind of not make or break, but not far from it for, for Barry Robson. One of them's out of the way, obviously. Wednesday evening now, he's just travelled to Dingwall in the League Cup quarterfinal, and you'd imagine we're now buoyed after that 4-0 win over the same opponent on Sunday afternoon. Uh, interesting fact, the Dons have never faced the Staggies in the League Cup before. We are unbeaten in our last three visits to Dingwall, um, one win and two draws in that time. 
Last time it was a 1-0 win in April as we closed in on third place. Duke with the goal that eventually took the points back to Pataudry. Of course, that game marred in the end by the eventual red card uh, given via VAR to Graham Shinian. And the aftermath of which obviously, of course, saw the, the Don's captain banned for four games in the end. 29 trips to Dingwall in our entire history in all competitions. We've got 18 wins out of those 29. Four draws, seven defeats overall. Um, obviously, these games sometimes are a little bit odd when you play the same team again so soon. But you've got to just hope that we can now go out there and kind of do the same. It's an absolute must, I think, for us to make the last four here. Um, do you expect to see Barry Robson then go with the same starting lineup that he went with? this afternoon at Pataudry? can't understand why if you're playing the same team you've just beaten 4-0 you wouldn't go with the same but I think it's probably fair to say Ross County what we saw on uh, today is is how they play you know that that's the style they weren't playing that way because they were away from home that's what they're going to do uh, and we were we were able to deal with that like you said with Rubicic and White nullify it uh, and then play our football so I can't understand why why you wouldn't unless maybe someone's picked up something or isn't quite feeling right uh, by the time they come off the pitch that we're not aware of but um, I don't see why he would change it um, I would agree I mean obviously McGarry won't feature because he went off injured um, and Johnny Hayes went off looked like he was struggling after about the hour mark Yeah. so the left wing back position would be the one thing that I'd I'd ponder over what will happen there Otherwise, despite the best efforts of some of the Ross County players, it looks like everyone's come through unscathed, um, despite some of their more um, robust challenges, shall we say. Um, I would just, yeah, um, there's the part of it, I think they'll maybe bring Leighton Clarkson back into the game. But, you know, if you do that, I think you drop Connor Barron, and Connor Barron's put in an excellent performance, as we all agree on. Uh, and you have to reward that kind of uh, performance with another start, so... Yeah, left wing back. Hopefully it can be Johnny Hayes. If not, then yeah, that's the position we need to fill. But I would stick with the rest of the team. Sorry, I just noticed it just made me laugh. I just had a quick look on Twitter and obviously Sheffield United's Twitter admin had just uh, decided to really go understated at full-time today, but we're just tweeting full-time defeat for United. It's certainly one way of looking at it, I, I imagine. Um, I assumed you were just going to tell us about Paul Heckingbottom getting sacked for reasons. No, not quite, unfortunately. I am... Um, I, I'd be amazed if we change much in the way of the starting lineup. As you say, McGarry will be out. One would absolutely imagine it'd be good if Johnny Hayes could make it. So I thought he played quite well today. Um, do you expect as well? Do you, uh, Count, you're probably going to go similar, aren't they? I think that's kind of their the modus operandi. Count, you've had a decent start to the season, in fairness to them. Um, I imagine it will be a tougher task in Dingle than what we saw this afternoon. Will it? <laughs> I don't mean that flippantly I'm just wondering to the best of my knowledge that's their starting 11 it's not like he's rested players for it so I'm I'm not sure what would why should anything change drastically other than the fact that it's home and away is reversed I never really get the whole well, if I tell you that John beats the referee on Wednesday night ah fuck it oh well it was fun while it lasted <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I would, I would kind of, I, it is a smaller, narrower pitch. So, I mean, they'll mm-hmm. get maybe a little bit, um, you know, Jack Baldwin's throw ins will probably go a little bit further into our into our penalty box. We'll what is the deal that. with that? Just mm-hmm. like he traipses over from all over the pitch. I have not known a center back who takes literally every single throw in. 
yeah. And the old data, they must oh, look at his numbers, like 50 kilometres. Yeah, 40 of them <laughs> traipsing around the pitch to take throw-ins. I am so grateful Don Robertson did not account for every instance because if that had happened, <laughs> we would still be playing. Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, if you know, if Rubicic can do the same job on Jordan White and the rest of his teammates stand up to that, you know, aerial bombardment when it comes in, I think we showed today we're a better team than Ross County. So why not just go and do the exact same job on them as we've done today? Do you change anything in the middle three for the weekend? Do you do you look at bringing Lane Clarkson back in or do you stick with the three? Even Gavin, if that means Jamie McGrath starting again? I wouldn't change the team. I wouldn't change the middle three, no. Which is good because I think that'd be a, uh, that's what we need to probably start seeing. Although we are going to have to rotate as the season goes, obviously, if, especially if we do come through this one. Um, I think, especially with it being just as you that odd situation of playing the same team again, even just from a mental perspective. Like, this is the midfield that dominated you on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry. Yeah. Let's just go and it's the exact same problem you're going to have. Can you fi- fi- figure it out this time? Yeah, and that would be the good thing is for us to really get on front foot. I think this this will be the big thing on Wednesday night is that I think we need to get on the front foot, similar to what we did at the start of second half today, <clears throat> where we really just got on the front foot from the word off rather than letting County kind of get into the game too early. I think we saw it happen today a little bit. County didn't capitalise from it. Um, but getting on the front foot in particular, as you say, Gab, because it poses that question to County around, well, okay, can you kind of figure out this problem now? Yeah, but... But I mean, you just don't want any team building up head of steam or momentum against you. But I think you're right, considering what's just happened, you want, if you can start off um, putting them under pressure and almost get them thinking, oh, crap, not this again, then, you know, maybe they're not taking chances on the ball. And then obviously that allows you a bit more time or allows you to get a little bit further up the, the pitch without being, you know, challenged, hassled, whatever, and you can play a you know, a more telling pass further up the pitch. And, you know, I guess the crowd will be well up for it, but you don't want them being able to get the, the, the home team motivated either. You want it to be the Aberdeen fans getting us going uh, and drowning out the, the home fans. So I think it's really, really important that we, yeah, we just take the game to them at the start. None of this sort of, you know, sometimes it's like the early rounds of a, a boxing fight where everyone's just sort of, sizing each other up uh, we need to go and I think we just need to take the game to them it's worth mentioning because like, I'd forgotten about this until today Celtic are out of this tournament you know, like one the best team in this, the country are out and now we typically know from the past that if you want to win a cup in Scotland you, you've got to be one of them at least if not both of them so Celtic are out there's a huge incentive here to go and win this game get ourselves in the semi-final and then it's neutral venue I don't think, despite the fact we've not been anywhere near as good as we'd hoped, I don't think there's necessarily anything to fear about any team that we're going to come up against. Well, so the option well, is there, and that's what the players have to be. That's got to be what they're all about. Yeah, I was going to come on to that. It's a massive, not just a, a, a club of our size should be aiming for a minimum the semifinals of every national competition anyway. Um you know, based on budgets and everything would mean that, you know, we should be there or thereabouts for the semi-finals at the, at the bare minimum. But it's a huge opportunity this season as well, as you say, Gav, because of the fact that Celtic are no longer in the tournament and you get... I don't even think we need to... We're going to talk about Sevco in a minute. I'm not sure I fear Sevco in a neutral venue anyway, but if you get lucky with the draw, you've got a great chance of making the final and who knows from that point. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> it's all academic if you lose. So it doesn't matter who you get. Uh, you need to be you need to get through the next round. But that that's true. I suppose it does really open up that competition uh, more than it would do in normal years. Where yeah, if you're if you're lucky, you only meet one of them in the final. If you're unlucky, you, you know you get them before, uh, and then it's tough to progress. So a huge opportunity, you know. And obviously, I guess Ross County will be seeing that as well. Uh, the path's a little bit clearer than it would be under normal circumstances, but. It's just uh, it's just really important for the club, in my opinion, to be progressing in the competition. I mean, unfortunately, the days of mounting a league challenge, I think, are are long gone. Um, so the cups represent your best opportunity, which again is another reason why I certainly don't want to see any changes. You know, other than like um, Tay's injuries aside, because I know we've got. A run of games coming up and you've got Rangers on at the weekend but the cup game's massive it absolutely is so gents uh, predictions for Wednesday evening in, in Dingwall I think it'll be closer but we're we're going for uh, Don's going to win 2-0 um, well after the slate and we've given him on this show I'm going to say it's going to be 2-1 to Aberdeen and Eamon Brofield score consolation I'm going to say Aberdeen we're gonna, I think we're going to stamp our authority over this one I'm going to say Ross County now Aberdeen 3 and Slobodan Rubicic will get his first goal for Aberdeen during the course of the week as well, um, as the redemption arc just continues. Um, <clears throat> after Wednesday then, back to lead duty on Saturday, which sees us visit Govan for the first time this campaign. Uh, we've travelled to Ibrox on lead duty to face two different teams 147 times to date, with only 25 wins to our name in that time, 31 draws, 91 Defeat. So winning in Ibro- at Ibrox is not a, a thing we do a lot of. Um, our last win in the league came in December 2018. Scott McKenna's little volley, enough to see the Dons take the win, despite Sam Cosgrove's ordering off just after the half-hour mark for... Well, I went back to look at it again today. I still can't tell what he's sent off for, but, but never mind. Wearing a red shirt? <clears throat> I think it could have been, possibly. No conspiracy theories here, Ga- Graham. What do you think this is? Celtic state of mind. <laughs> Put my ten hat away. Um, 1-0 win for Sevco against Motherwell Ibrox on Sunday afternoon. That sees them leapfrog. They steal men up to third place in the table. Two points behind St Mirren. Four points behind Celtic, who lead the way after six games. Made a load of changes to their starting lineup on Sunday afternoon uh, after they beat Real Betis in the Europa League on Thursday. So much so that even Scott Wright got a game um, on Sunday afternoon. I'd actually forgotten he was still there. I thought he'd moved Did to Turkey. Did he not have to Saudi? Th- no, he went to Turkey and then decided against it. Uh, fair enough. An absolute shite bag on a number of different levels. Um, manager Ali McBeal still under huge pressure after what was a, a pretty poor start to the season for the artists, formerly known as Rangers. Already two defeats on the board domestically. He's been kind of favouring a, a 4 2 3 1. In recent weeks, Sima or Dessers being preferred in the number nine role in the last couple of games. Gav, I see you rubbing your eyes, but you, I had compliments about my Mick Beal impression before on this show. Not that I really ever want to be listening to the hordes of minkers that follow, follow, but it seems like there's a lot of similar grumbles about Beal that we were kind of seeing last season. Loads of possession, lots of passing, 
not really converting into any clear-cut chances. They've got 64.3% average possession, which places them second in the table in that metric, only 1.5% less than Celtic, who topped that one out. But they've only scored nine goals so far in the league. That's an average of 1.5 goals per game, which is the fourth top uh, metric in the league. Indeed, they've only carved out 11 big chances in the league so far. That places them fifth in the table in that uh, metric, which is level with Ross County. <laughs> yep, that's right. Level with Ross County. After Sunday as well, they've only got two more goals than us in the campaign so far. Bearing in mind, we failed to score three games alone out of our six so far this season. So not great. Underperforming for a goal, an XG of 10.6, seeing nine actually scored. So obviously they're 1.6 off of where they probably should be. They do, however, boast the best record in the league defensively so far this season. They've only conceded two goals in the league. To date, there's been four clean sheets for Jack Butland. And if anyone remembers listening to the predictions for the start of the season, I did predict that Jack Butland would be the worst signing of the season. So you can thank me for that one. As expected, with those kind of possession numbers, Sev tended to dominate, dominate games territorially. I'll put the average position or the, the zones of control map up later on. As you'd expect, though, there is a big reliance on their right-hand side for with from Tavernier. Uh, McGarry's hammy pool slash tear is going to mean it's unlikely we see him line up at Abrox. So before we talk about the game in a little bit more detail, obviously we're playing uh, Ross County midweek. You're left with probably Hayes and McKenzie at left wing back. Who would you rather put in up against Tavernier, who still, astonishingly, is probably the biggest threat the Rangers have? Graham Steele's cat. (laughs) She is pretty furious, so that might actually work out for us. Uh, (sighs) Yeah, McKenzie. Yeah. McKenzie. McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, if that's the choice, Hayes, every day of the week. It's um, certainly a big dilemma for us now because of that. Like I say, they're, they're so reliant on that right-hand side, as you can see from the kind of zones control graphic. Um, and it's an area that we've always struggled in recent seasons as well. Um, it's, it's been particularly with Tavernier, which really just annoys the fuck out of me because he's not that good a player. And we should deal with that, but we don't. Gents, your thoughts, I guess, just on the game at Ibrox. It's, it's, it's a venue we have a historically horrendous record at. Um, how do you think Barry decides to approach it? I don't think. We, we didn't play them away from home last season, did we, under Barry Robson? We played them with uh, Jim Goodwin, where we went with a 4-2-3-1. And quote-unquote had a go. And got obliterated up the wings. It's a slightly different shape now, because it was uh, Van Bronckhorst was in charge at the time, like I say. McBeal's going with a 4-2-3-1. Um, they are struggling a little bit. They've suddenly beat Motherwell by a goal to nil today. Is this the type of situation where, you know, how do you think Barry approaches it? Do you want to see us have a goal? Or is this the kind of game we put in play the tactics that we saw in Frankfurt, for example? And Sefco aren't as good a team as Frankfurt, so surely you could pick up something on that basis. <laughs> Just having a wee chuckle every time we play them. There's either they've played in Europe, which they have, or they're about to play uh, or, they're, or they're not in great form. Is this a good time to play them? And our record's absolutely fucking disgusting. But every time Gary starts with that sort of, is this the way to go? Is this the time? We never get anything out of it. So I think Robson, I don't think he'll go with a view of trying to get anything. <laughs> I, I've seen him, I, I just think he's a little bit too... Well, people will use the word pragmatic. I'll use the word negative. <laughs> I don't think he'll go and uh, have a set up to try and get anything out of them. That being said, 
to your point about Frankfurt, if we could deploy some sort of setup like that, we were able to cause them some problems. And okay, there's you know they don't really have much of a a strike force. Um, maybe we could frustrate and get something out of it. But look back over the years, the form they've been in, the form we've been in, it never really seems to make a difference. How would you say setup though? Do you, do, you, do you go the same way as you went at Frankfurt? Contain, make it difficult, or do you ever go? If you go contain, make it difficult, the, the likelihood is you're going to concede. And then what, what do you do after that? You've set yourself up to contain. How do you how do you change that and turn it around into to go and chase the game? Or do you just try and contain and keep it at one? He's uh, kind of damned if you do, because of who it is we're playing, Obviously, if he takes a beating, he's going to get pelted anyway. And he's obviously not in them. It's not like he's got much uh, goodwill in the bank at the moment. But I don't see the point of going into any game and deciding that you can't compete with them. I mean, their budget's bigger, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not like they're light years ahead of us. Gav? Um, just to point out, we have played the Maya Brooks under by Robson in the split. Todd Cantwell scored the winner. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I forgot all about that. So uh, we have played. We have played down there. Um, yeah. I would not be adverse to the same setup as we uh, implemented in Frankfurt. That kind of five-four-one setup, where it is about maintaining a shape and making things difficult for them, and that will involve them, you know, having lots of possession between their defenders and the midfielders playing in front of us the difference that I saw in Frankfurt in comparison to any number of games I've seen us play against Rangers Celtic um, in the past is that there was a very obvious trigger point for the press. And then when we did win the ball, we got bodies forward in numbers uh, at a great deal of pace. So if it's going to be a case of setting up defensively, get the ball back and then shell it long, then I can only see one outcome, which is what Graham's alluding to there. I wouldn't, I, I, I'm just, I'm not sure about us from an attacking perspective, whether we can go and dominate a game and really take it to them just with the options that we have right now. So I'd be very much, you know, the game plan in Frankfurt, utilize that. But obviously, like I say, make sure that we carry a threat whenever we do uh, get possession of the ball. On that then, predictions for next Saturday at Mordor. I think we will <laughs> lose... 2-0 I just I think Robson will I think we'll revert to shelling it and it'll just come back to us um, I'm gonna say one apiece two penalties I am going to sorry check. did you just say two penalties I did say two penalties we're gonna break the streak no there's two penalties for Rangers but <laughs> Kelly saves one of them oh there's no danger of that happening uh, well okay one goes wide of the post that's more like it um, yeah Kel <clears throat> penalties mate like at penalties I've never seen a smaller six foot six goalkeeper <laughs> you know how we, the Hibs game was the Hibs game no, it was the Hecken game that I left if that's what you're thinking the Hecken game when you were like when you, we're all like it's going there it's going there it's going there there's literally nothing about this guy's body position that says it's going that way <laughs> yeah it was the same with Frank from Thursday night <laughs> it was just like it's going there okay well, that's fine just dive the other way it's okay. Oh, you, you called it a dive. It wasn't really a dive, was it? I just, yeah. Anyway. Maybe um, he can't read like Craig Sampson's writing on his water bottle. Maybe Craig Sampson can't write. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, uh, I'm going to say Sevco one, Aberdeen two. It'll be three wins in the course of the week, and suddenly everything looks rosy again in the Aberdeen. What are the uh, What are the words to the Barry Robson song? By the way, what Barry Robson song? We've got a dandy Barry Robson. I have no idea. I don't think I've ever heard that. It was getting belted out numerous occasions today in the in the red shed. Couldn't really ah. work out what the words are. There's definitely, if any hint of it is about attacking football, that's. <laughs> is that why I got confused during the course of the week? Because I heard that song being belted out, and I remember turning to Graham at one point, and being like, "Why are we singing the Stephen Glass song?" I was utterly bemused with the whole thing. That might be it. Barry Robson's got his own rendition. It does consist contain an inconsistency as well because it does say we've got Angus at the back, oh, well, and yeah. Angus is on the bench playing Sudoku. Anyway, we've got Angus on the bench. Stefan Luke's hench. Baz has got us playing. The Dons are bad. There we go. Anywho, right, two in Aberdeen next Sunday, uh, next Saturday. That's us, I think. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. That's all good. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, please remember to like, subscribe, follow, whatever you might do in your podcast player of choice. Join us next time for episode 127 of the show. We look back at the League Cup quarter final and our trip to Mordor before we turn our attentions to the visit of HJK Helsinki to Pataudry. Oh, cheap plug. Our fan zone in partnership with the good folks at Siberia Aberdeen. 5th of October, free entry prior to the HJK game. Now, if anyone is going there, that was in Frankfurt who bought these two gentlemen a drink. Let it be known, I am not too proud to turn one down. <laughs> I thought Gal was about to like, throw us on the bus, but he'll, they'll buy you one back. But no, he's just saying he'll take one anyway. What a lad. And then... We'll also preview the visit to St. Johnston. Oh, Talk the heavy hi- hitters are coming to Pataudry now. Talk about highs and lows, eh? Fuck me. <laughs> St. Johnston visit Pataudry in the cinch. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.